Welcome to another episode of Monster Dear Monster. I'm your host, Dave, and I am joined as mostly always by my co-host, Cameron. Um, unfortunately, Matt uh, is feeling under the weather today, so he's taking a break, and uh, we're holding down the fort uh, all on our yep. lonesomes on this cold and dreary night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, except it's for it's only, a <laughs> it's only night for yeah. one of us. But uh, yeah. yeah. How, how are you doing, Cameron? Um, yeah, not too bad. Uh, this is another one of my patented long days where I do another podcast at some point in the morning, and then I do this in the evening. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no. So um, this early, early this morning for me, I did a uh, did a recording for Dark Insight, so that'll be out this week as well i'm really looking forward to that that was a lot of fun to record uh how are you going yeah uh doing pretty good just um i don't know the weather here has been bouncing back and forth it was uh 60 degrees like two days ago and then yeah it's back to 90 so <laughs> it's like, okay <laughs> great yeah um, yeah it's been getting hotter here um, it looks like it's trying to ramp up towards summer, but then we had a giant thunderstorm and it got a lot cooler, a lot quicker. It's yeah. still a little all over the place. Yeah, it's just not wanting to turn into fall. It's struggling. Mm, yeah, our spring isn't quite kicking off either. Well, I had <laughs> jeans and a jacket, and then a day later, oh, shorts and a tank top. All right. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but eh, it is what it is, I guess. We'll, yeah. we'll deal. I'm not in uh, the burning desert anymore, so at least I'll have yeah. a fall. <laughs> exactly. It'll cool down a bit, if mm. nothing else. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, what are we taking a look at today? Uh, today, we are looking at the Wendigo, or Wendigo, or Wendigo, any number of pronunciations and spellings. Yeah. Uh, this is, yeah, this is a creature from Native American myth, and uh, myth and legend. Uh Although before we before we get into the Wendigo, uh, we do just because Matt's not here, we can't skip it. Uh, oh man! I mean, uh, <laughs> oh, of course, I will be the arbiter of Matt's wishes on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> uh, we do have to do. Yes, it's that time again. It's Yokai of the Week. Um, so this week for Yokai of the Week, we are doing G in our um list of. 100-odd Japanese yokai. I feel like that's a... that's. I don't need to say Japanese yokai, right? It's just yokai. No, you just say yokai. Yeah, no, I'll try and f- fix myself with that habit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, as, uh, as Matt often says, roll them, Dave. What have we got? A number two. Who's number Ooh. two on our list? Oh, okay. Gaki. Gaki. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, these are these are good. Oh no. Work internet. It um Go took me internet. To page for Preta? Yeah, it's a uh, um yeah. Hindu or uh, uh, uh Sanskrit. Yeah. Okay, so it's um the from India. version of that. Interesting. Uh okay. well it's the the Buddhism is what pulled it over. Yeah, yeah. It took and taken over to uh, Japan. So they are believed to have been false, corruptive, repulsive, deceitful, jealous, or greedy people in a previous life. As a result of their karma, they are afflicted with an insatiable hunger for a particular substance or object. This seems oddly appropriate. 
<laughs> this was totally random. Um, that's not a lie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that sounds really sarcastic. No, we, know, we, this was really random. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, we, we've got random number generation in the form of rolling noises. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, they apparently have an insatiable hunger for a particular substance or object, which is traditionally something repugnant or humiliating, such as cadavers or feces. Uh, although in more recent series, it can be anything, however bizarre, apparently. Okay, so this is sort of the um, the be good or you'll turn into a, a, a sin ghost thing. Uh, okay. yes. Basically. Yeah. It, it's basically you should be good because you don't want to end up having a bad life next time around. Buddhism is the... Yes. I'm, I'm remembering religions correctly. Yes. That's yes. That's the, the um, boiled the, down <laughs> version yeah. of it. The boiled down version of mm-hmm. it. But look, I did a I did a class in high school. Uh, I'm clearly yeah. an expert. Oh <laughs> uh, dear. Um no this this is um it's interesting. Uh yeah, let's uh, we'll take a look at this because this since this directly relates to what we're gonna be discussing, mm. um we can dig into it a little bit. Uh yeah. Let's see. So yeah, under description, uh, we'll go with the Let's name. Um, the I name. Guess I'll, I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll start with that part. Um, yeah, so yeah. The, the Sanskrit term "preta" means departed, deceased, a dead person. From "preta," literally gone forth or departed. In classical Sanskrit, the term refers to the spirit of any dead person, but especially before the um, obsequial rites are performed, but also more narrowly to a ghost or evil being. The Sanskrit term was taken up in Buddhism to describe one of six possible states of rebirth. The Chinese term egui, literally starving ghost, is thus not a literal translation of the Sanskrit term. So they're using the same um, Chinese characters for the the Japanese Japanese. as well as the Korean. The Korean is akui, which is Mm. uh, the same, same thing. Um, yeah, effectively, just different pronunciations based on language. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. That's that's interesting that the original term is just basically ghost, and then, or not even ghost, just dead. Um, and then it you know travels across to different countries, and uh, they take it into the more monstrous side of things. Turning it into a you know starving ghost with the Chinese term. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Check out the description. You can. You can. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. So pretas are invisible to the human eye, but some believe they can be discerned by humans in certain mental states. Uh, they're described as human-like, but with sunken, mummified skin, narrow limbs, enormously distended bellies, and long, thin necks. This appearance is a metaphor for their mental situation. They have enormous appetites, signified by their gigantic bellies, but a very limited ability to satisfy those appetites, symbolized by their slender necks. Okay. Um, The Japanese art usually depicts them as emaciated humans with bulging stomachs and inhumanly small mouths and throats. Uh, the, The same basic principle, I guess, where they literally don't have the physical capability to fulfill their appetites. Hmm. Um, although they may also be so, shown as balls of smoke or fire. 
and accompanied by demons. They dwell in the waste and desert places of the earth and vary in situation according to past karma. Some can eat a little but find it difficult to find food or drink. Others can find food and drink but find it difficult to swallow. Others find that the food they eat seems to burst into flames as they swallow it. Others see something edible or drinkable and desire it, but it withers up or dries before their eyes. The end result is they are always hungry. There's a few different ways to not have a great time as one of these creatures, I guess. Mm. Yeah, um, it looks like they, they have other debilitations. Yeah, they suffer from immoderate heat and cold. They find the moon scorches them in the summer while the sun freezes them in winter, which is... That's really cool, like, as, yeah. as an evocative imagery. Yeah, yeah. That's that's super interesting. Um, they often remember those who dwell in hell, their sufferings do, and um, two types of being are easily confused. Simplest addition being being suffering in hell are confined to the subterranean world while praetars are free to move about. Yeah, so it's um, that's really interesting, actually. I like the idea where you can't actually see them unless you're in the right state of mind to see one. Yeah, like, I mean, I think that that probably way. helps with a lot, a lot of the ghosts. Yeah. I think it's the same idea, at least in um, yeah. in Chinese mythology. Mm, mm. Or it has yeah. to be a time of the year, like um, specific yeah. days or month. I think there's a month that's the ghost month. <laughs> it's just a month where all the ghosts yeah. come out. That's... Well, I think you can see them. They're... Yeah. That, that's always the problem. Just mm-hmm. see yeah. Oh, that that'd be wild. Oh god. <laughs> I mean, it is it is October, so we're kind of in the ghost month, I guess. Yeah. Although I think it's the <laughs> the, the wrong ghost month, but um, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> no, there's uh, little local traditions. So um, here, since six fifty seven. Some Japanese Buddhists have observed a special day in mid-August to remember the Gaki. Um, through such offerings and remembrances, it is believed that the hungry ghosts may be released from their torment. Um, mm. In the modern Japanese language, the word Gaki is often used to mean spoiled child or brat. And in a game of yep. tag, the person who is it may be known as the Gaki. Okay, yeah. And then there's also a different version of them for Hinduism as opposed to Buddhism, where they are real beings as opposed to these more spiritual ghosts. They're a form, a body consisting only of air and akasha, which is the sky or dark matter or space, two of the five elements which constitute a body on Earth or any other planet. So they're not not as real as other things, but they're definitely still real under Hinduism, I guess, as far as physicality is concerned. Yeah, the um the last sentence of that uh, looks uh, like it's not see. specifically cited, but it says the elements except uh, akasha or sky or dark matter, um, mm. which is what they're composed of, is defi- uh, de- defined as the common constituent throughout the universe, and the remaining four are common to properties of the planets, uh, etc. This is the reason that Pritas cannot eat or drink as the rest of the three elements, earth, fire, and water, are missing uh, from their composition. So they cannot mm. digest or take, take uh, things physically in physically. Food. Yeah. That, that's another interesting take on it. So they're just, they're just um, deficient in their base physical form, and that's why they can't uh, eat or drink or whatever, as yeah. opposed to you were bad in a previous life 
uh, this is your punishment. Well, I think that's also why you probably can yeah. see them. Yeah. Um, let me see. Yeah, I guess the, the their souls being put into these bodies for whatever reason. Yeah. Okay. That's uh, that's interesting. We've got a few different takes on them. And yeah, these, these seem very, very appropriate for today's episode. <laughs> Yeah, we'll probably uh, take another lengthier look at this um, in, a, in a future episode when we mm. Mm. come back uh, around to anyway. it. Because there's a pretty good entry on Hungry Ghost in general. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that has been Yokai of the Week. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> All right, time to get into the actual episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, dear. Uh, why don't you start us off? So yeah. we're doing Wendigo. We are looking at the Wendigo. Wendigo? <laughs> yeah, Wendigo, Wendango. I've seen, I've seen a like lot of different variations. 20 different spellings, um, depending yeah. on the, the, the tribe that it came from. So, um, according to this nativelanguages.org um, slash mm. Wendigo uh, webpage, Wendigos are the evil, man-eating giants of Anishinaabe mythology. Wendigos play the roles of monsters and boogeymen in some legends. In others, Chippewa people who commit sins, especially selfishness, gluttony, or cannibalism, are turned into a Wendigo as punishment. The appearance of a Wendigo is huge, monstrous, and made or of coated in ice. But the human it once was is still frozen inside the monster where its heart should be, and must be killed to defeat the Wendigo. In a few legends, a human has been successfully rescued from the heart of the Wendigo, but usually once a person has been possessed, uh, the only escape is death. That's a pretty interesting version. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, the initial version, I'd only ever heard of these before, looking into a little bit of the show, is the, um... You know, you you do a bad thing and you turn into this monster, um, but you're still essentially just a human body. This is really cool, where it's like you form this spiritual monster around yourself, and you got to kill the guy in the in the heart because there's not an actual heart. There's the guy in the middle. Yeah, totally sounds yeah. like a Dark Souls boss. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, you gotta you gotta beat the boss down to crack the um crack the ice open and expose the glowing weak point <laughs> yeah hmm. kind well, of that's, deal uh, that's really cool yeah and this isn't a version that i've seen depicted no in any media as far as i'm aware mm. or if it was i didn't no. realize maybe they what they drew their inspiration from so yeah yeah that's uh yeah. definitely uh fact one <laughs> of learning something new <laughs> yeah yeah all right, and then we have uh, we have a couple of different descriptions, so I'll just kind of go through those. Um, the Wendigo yeah. was gaunt to the point of emaciation. Its desiccated skin pulled tightly over its bones. With its bones pushing out against its skin, its complexion the ash gray of death, and its eyes pushed deep back into their sockets. The Wendigo looked like a gaunt skeleton recently disinterred from the grave. What lips it had were tattered and bloody unclean and suffering from separations of the flesh. The Wendigo gave off a strange and eerie odor of decay and decomposition of death and corruption. So this um, depiction we will 
we will be seeing in, in some media. Mm. Yeah, and it's um, a lot more z- traditionally zombie-like. You know, it appears it to be someone who's starved to death or something like that, effectively, as opposed to the um, the ice giant from the um, Anishinaabe mythology. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah this yeah, also this... sounds more like, like the Hungry Ghost. Yeah, yeah, it, it sounds, it reads almost like an exact description. It's emaciated, um, it's got this desiccated skin, it's covered in sores, and uh, especially with the um, the eyes deep in the socket was a thing with mm. the Praetas as well. Um, yeah, there's uh, there's some more descriptions, because there are a lot of different versions of the Windigo. Um So in Ojibwe, Eastern Cree, West Main, Swampy Cree, Nescapi, and Inu lore, Wendigo is often described as giants, many times larger than human beings, a characteristic absent from the myth in other Algonquian cultures. Whenever a Wendigo ate another person, it would grow in proportion to the meal it had just eaten, so that it could never be full. Therefore, they are portrayed as simultaneously gluttonous and emaciated from starvation. Uh, this this is a uh, this is interesting because uh, it's kind of a take on the thing with the Gaki where. They have the signs of great appetites, but also not being able to take in, you know, the thin neck or the small mouth. This is just no, no, no matter how much you eat, you will just grow in proportion and still be hungry. <laughs> yeah, um, this reminds me more of the, like, there's a comic book version of mm. the Wendigo. And this sounds okay. a little bit more like that. Yeah, yeah. Is that Marvel Comics? Was uh, I think he fights the Hulk. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I've got vague memories of this. No. Yeah, same. I wasn't uh, a character that I followed, but no, he was a he was a big boy. So I'm imagining yeah. he. I don't know. Do they have him eat people? That'd be weird. Uh, Maybe he ate them it, and just kept I, getting bigger. Yeah, that could be it. Uh, I feel I would have remembered a Marvel comic where. <laughs> They focused on a character who would eat who would eat people to get bigger, and that was their superpower. <laughs> yeah, I just know he was like gray and shaggy. Yeah, yeah, one of those uh those wild. It's villains. more like um, the image of the yeti is, I think, more mm. what they were drawing. Is what from. they went with. Mm, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, so in some traditions, humans who became over. Powered by greed could turn into Wendigos. The myth thus served as a method of encouraging cooperation and moderation. Also, humans could turn into Wendigos by being in contact with them for too long. So it's sort of a um, don't hang out with the wrong crowd <laughs> morality lesson, I guess. Yeah. 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 Be a good person. Don't hang out with the bad boys on the wrong side of town because um, they're all Wendigos and you don't want to be one. <laughs> I mean, it's a good lesson. In their uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just a bunch of Wendigos clicking as you walk. Yeah, by. it's all like a bursting song. Oh dear. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Wendigo. The Wendigo musical. the musical. Oh. <laughs> Episode title. <laughs> I mean, I guess they could have uh, played it along with uh, Cannibal the Musical. Just yeah, kept, true. Kept going. Yeah, the, the sequel we've all been uh, salivating for. Yeah, something like yeah. that. Something like that. 
okay, so we've touched on the lore, some of uh, of the origins of this Wendigo idea, this concept. Um, but it also, I guess, permeated uh, other things and, you know, became part of the popular culture consciousness through mm-hmm. uh, some stories and some authors um uh, i guess so arguably um influential and popular authors uh took these tales and kind of spun them into their own thing um mm. so the first one and one that we took a little bit uh a deeper look at is by um algernon blackwood uh it's simply entitled the wendigo and was published in 1910 um, this mm-hmm. book uh, apparently influenced um, H.P. Lovecraft and uh, August Derleth um, in in their own creations yeah. of similar beings. Mm. What what did you yeah. um, what did you think of this story? Uh, I, I actually quite enjoyed this. It's um, it's you know traditional for the time. It's sort of a sl- slightly slower paced, very descriptive. Uh, narrative but um it was i would say it was effective in kind of weirding me out and making me wonder what was going on like uh, it's not that i don't know anything about like um wendigo mythology and things like that but i'm like reading this short story and there's this weird stuff happening and interesting things going on um and some interesting depictions as well um i believe hb lovecraft actually mentioned like um specifically a part of the book involving a set of footprints uh, changing. And he praised that as a way to make things seem strange and unusual because uh, not going to go through the whole story, obviously, but there's a part where the Wendigo makes off with one of the characters sort of abducts them. And one of the other characters gives chase and is tracking the footprints through the snow and just watching the gap between each footprint get longer and longer and longer and longer until, you know, there's 18 feet in between each footstep. And um, he's watching his companion's footsteps stretch in the exact same way and eventually reaches a point where they just stop. And that's because the Wendigo is off running through the night sky with its feet on fire from how fast it's going. And there's just some really cool... And, yeah, there's some really cool descriptors there and super interesting as well like lots of little touches that made it feel a little more realistic. Things like there's always a slight strange odor on the air when it comes around and things like that. It was very enjoyable. <laughs> yeah. I think as the, the, the book is, or I guess the novella is written. Mm. Um, I enjoyed more the, like the flavor, like the flavor text that was mm. being in the descriptions. Those are the whole central passages where they're just they're just talking about um, the wilderness. And yeah, that's the wilderness mm. is its own character. It is sort yeah. of the Wendigo. It's a monster. Um, but yeah, I wish I had highlighted the paragraphs. There was some just really good um, descriptive mm. text. Yeah, uh, talking about like the oh, I think it was this one where um, yeah. He, one of the the characters mentions that um, the the sun is dipping its bald head into like the rivers. Like, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's a, that's a that's a paraphrase of what he says. Yeah, but it's a, it's a lot of like visually striking 
um, yeah. imagery. And yeah, he, yeah, he goes really he doubles down on the um, the scents and the smell of the um, brulee, like mm. I guess what they called like sort of Lovecraft would have said like blasted heat. Um, yeah, and this is yeah these these fire burned areas. Yeah, it's yeah. giant wildfires that like wiped out huge swaths of the forest. And he's talking about like mm. the the just like disturbing look of the burnt um stumps and like the, mm. you can still it's like a year later and you can still smell um charcoal and uh yeah ash. coming back with ash all over your stuff yeah yeah it is um yeah. it did a it did it uh established a very specific mood um mm. and it was well Definitely. done uh yeah. did you just read this is this the first time you read this story? This is the first time I've read this, I'm fairly sure. It seemed familiar as I read it, but that could mm. be the style of writing. I'm fairly sure I don't remember the actual outcomes of the uh, the tale itself. So I think it might just be I've been reading a lot of period pieces. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it was my first time reading through it, so... It was, uh, no, it was, uh, um, like you said, uh, he also really does the environment really well. He really, um, sells the feeling of, oh, it's this and this effectively infinite wilderness. You know, if we get lost, no one's probably ever going to find us. There are areas here where no one will ever tread in a hundred years. You know, that kind of feeling. Yeah, it's like, I don't even think he says a hundred years. I think it's just like no one will. It's so vast yeah. that there's spaces uh, where man will like never see or you know never see the, the second. Yeah, man. yeah. Um, something similar to that. Yeah, I read this uh, probably in high school. Um, mm-hmm. I think when I was getting into Lovecraft, and I don't even know how I would have like found. It must have been in a collection of stories. Um, mm. I'm imagining because I, uh, <laughs> at the time there wouldn't have been, you know, any kind of Wikipedia or really any, I wouldn't have done any research online. It would have all been yeah. like in the stacks or <laughs> through the yeah. card catalog at the, at the library. <laughs> um, regardless, um, somehow I, I remember reading this back then. Um, like, you know, I, I really, I just remembered, uh, uh, DeFago's his his I guess notable <laughs> quotes that he's you know mm. keeps um, keeps spouting off. I and I want to read it, but it's not a line that translates well. I think yeah, spoken. I'm it needs it anyway. the context of the rest of the piece. Well, yeah. it, even just in listening to it in my head, like as the characters would encounter this, it sounds silly. Yeah, yeah, I know the line you're talking about. Well, I'm just gonna read it anyway. Yeah, go. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, this is <laughs> oh oh this fiery height. Oh oh my feet of fire, my burning feet of fire. Sorry, guys, that was a <laughs> horrible rendition. Um, a dramatic, a dramatic rendition by. I was I, yeah, I was gonna try, <laughs> but. Uh, I can't take it seriously, so it's too hard to... No, it, it does sound very calm for the situation he's in when he says that. 
Well, hey, I mean, I can imagine him screaming it, but yeah, yeah, it just doesn't. It still doesn't sound seem right. like that. Yeah. Anyway, I um I I remember that um, if nothing else, and what uh, surprised me was the like the depth of the description and mm-hmm. things in the story that weren't the Wendigo. Um, yeah, yeah, and. Like pleasantly, pleasantly surprised. This was yeah really well written. Yeah, no, it was definitely really well written. Um, with just actually a technical lack of focus on the Wendigo itself, I feel that's almost the point of this piece. Like the Wendigo is not meant to be explained or focused on because it is just part of this greater wilderness in this novella, and it's just the most obviously mysterious and hostile part of it. Yeah, Whereas, I mean, like you never we, get a look at it or anything like that, really. Because I Just don't, I don't think it's something you can see. Yeah, um, I don't know th- there are there are implications at points, like um, where Defago and um the other character in the tent and Defago appears to have been pulled just barely, just had his feet pulled out of the tent. Yeah, and, you um, know, he's sitting up Simpson, in horror. I think it's his. Uh, yeah, Defago and Simpson. Yes. Yeah, and there's that, there's that moment which suggests like a physical, visible, mm. like tangible presence. But then there's other descriptions where it is literally just the soaring wind carrying through the treetops and whispering. And yeah, it's it's difficult to define, and I think that's what makes it really interesting in this uh, in this depiction. Well, it, it works better um, for the fiction because mm. you know he's not. The, the author is not uh, showing his hand here. It's 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 a case of less is more um, taken yeah, to definitely. like the extreme because you he the did extreme. so much description on the wilderness, um, which w- I think that's why that that wilderness is sort of the Wendigo in, in this yeah. story. Is he yeah. did describe it, um, but you're looking for like a, a physical. Uh, beast and it's it's not there it's like an idea Mm. yeah it's that um it's that madness that occasionally sweeps away to just let themselves die out in the forests he was i remember that's that's paraphrasing as well there's one point where one of the characters musing on that that sort of urge deep inside to just let themselves loose out there and never return yeah kind of deal I mean, they they bring it up um, within the story. The characters themselves talk about that. Mm. Um, that yeah. men go crazy, like, out here. If you're out here alone mm. long enough, um, the people that are best suited to survive out here uh, just become one with the forest, like, sort of literally. Yeah, yeah. They become a natural part of it. <laughs> Yeah, and that's sort of, uh, well, sort, sort of what happens to DeFago. Um, yeah, it's weird. It's, it's a little, it, it ends ambiguously. Yeah, as definitely. As far as his fate. Um, I mean, he dies. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't, he, he dies. doesn't make it out. But it, it's also implied that he, like, on a spiritual or mental level, isn't really there in his body at, at that point either. Like, the essence of him is somewhere out there with the Wendigo or as part of the Wendigo potentially. 
Yeah. Sort of just and I think that's maybe what the, the Wendigo is. It's not, mm. um, you know, confined to a, a physical form. It is something that's the, I don't know, the curious yeah. and wild heart of man. Uh, yeah. That's what this yeah. is trying to talk about. Because he, you know, he, he DeFago is dragged off. He's carried off into yeah. the sky. Um, mm. uh, and... In doing so, there's part of the legend that's related by another character as is that your if you see the Wendigo, that's it's like a it's an it's an it's an ill omen, a, a portent mm. of your doom. Um, and not only would you see it, but it sort of calls for you. Yeah, um, and that's yeah, what happens where it to whispers Vega, for you. He, he yeah. hears it calling. Something is calling his name. And mm. um, and they can both hear it, I yeah. believe. They both yeah, hear so it, and eventually yeah. Simpson also smells um, the, that, the lion that musk. Weird. Yeah, um, it, that, it's a predatory scent, yeah, basically. That DeFago um, smelled. So mm. I wonder if it's like intimating that Simpson is also developing that... Ability to survive, you know, in 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 this wilderness, mm. um, regardless yeah. of you know him wanting to to do that. Yeah, like um, he I mean, he makes his way back to a hidden canoe that he doesn't quite technically himself remember where it is. Manages to row his way back across twelve miles of lake, and he's just he's literally a college kid from Scotland, <laughs> I believe. Um, yeah. It's like it's, He's He's like, I just, my body just acted on its own. Yeah, my body just acted on its own and I somehow managed to make my way back here and survive. Yeah, it was Um, like a 30 mile trek. Yeah, it's a a long journey (laughs) to get, to get anywhere in there. The uh, the author gives a really good sense of scale as well. He's like, there's that moment where he realized 30 miles is literally a drop in the pond as far as traveling around these lakes is concerned and 200 miles is barely a step. <laughs> I yeah. think is the term he uses. Well, yeah. and, and, and part of that is, uh, when he's, when he's being guided, cause so, um, DeFego is his guide. I mean, then we'll just start mm-hmm. down hunting, uh, moose. And, um, as they're like blazing their trail, DeFego tells him that they, they left like a central camp and it's two hunting parties that went in two different directions. Yeah. And, DeFago tells Simpson, uh, yeah, we, we're, you know, we we're 30 miles out, but really we're 60 miles away from the other, the guys that we left because they went yeah. in the other direction, 30 miles. So yeah, yeah. you think we're just 30 miles away from people, but really now it's 60 and then not yeah. to mention how far away that <laughs> camp is from actual civilization. From so this civilization, was like, yeah. it just gives you that sense of isolation and mm. they don't do anything. I mean, the author doesn't do anything to make the wilderness seem the least bit like hospitable. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is just a wild frontier kind of deal. Yeah, and um, so I guess the one the one feature we do get on the Wendigo isn't presented through the Wendigo, but it's it's presented through DeFago. Uh, when he re- mm. he returns to camp uh, toward the end of the story, and he 
seems he's off. He seems like a shell of himself. Mm. And yeah. also maybe a, sh- a shell of a, a human. Like something's mm. wrong. There's with something. His yeah. He's they just were... off. Mm. Uh, it was described as it's like something's wearing his skin almost. Yeah, but I think I it's believe. like it looks like it had sagged, like as if yeah. pounded by like uh, um, ravaging winds or something had like pushed his mm. skin down. Yeah, yeah. Like he's flying at some incredible rate of speed, <laughs> <laughs> which um, you know, which yeah, may his have, fiery heights. Been. Um, <laughs> however, uh, he something physically other than just his general appearance has changed and it doesn't ever describe it um mm. i think maybe because doing so would have lessened the impact but we're yeah. we're, we're given this narration through um, simpson's point of view and he says that the other men saw um defaco's feet and like yeah flipped out yeah and then There's defaco himself people. is like you you yeah. saw my feet. <laughs> now I have yeah. to go. <laughs> now I must go. And then the real Tofago's body is dropped back at them or something? Mm. No. So he, he, like, jumps or mm. otherwise spirits himself away into the sky. Like, they don't see yeah. it disappear. He just goes away really fast. They... Yeah. Get because I think this is when they're they're not at their camp they're at the uh, yes the far away yeah. camp so they get back to the home base camp and mm. Defago comes wandering in I don't even think yes. he's wandering he comes back and he's like before he was still um, yeah before he was still yeah. like coherent but seemed mm. like a different person now this yeah. is just him and he's just been like drained of any defago-ness mm. um, he's, yeah he's... and you know they talk how he must have like gone the long way around and walked around the edge of one of the lakes to get there and um you know his feet are frozen and burned from the cold and from all the walking yeah potentially presumably yeah Definitely which would from give you that idea heights. of my burning <laughs> feet of fire is that he simply had mm. frostbite and um yeah his, his feet are know yeah and then you know tissue yeah yeah he he never seems to recover to his true former self and he dies a few weeks later yeah Um, he died like yeah i don't even know if it was a few weeks it was really soon after yeah it was it was very soon after um yeah and uh never recovers from his experience (laughs) with the windigo which i mean fair enough it sounds terrifying you know get dragged out of camp spirited away through the air at fast speeds and then have to walk your way the long way around through the wilderness to get yeah. back yeah I don't blame him for being drained of any semblance of his former self yeah so that is the windigo by yep. Algernon Blackwood um, this ended up influencing as I think it was we slightly mentioned um yeah. P. Lovecraft, uh, Lovecraft um, and, and Durleth. August Durleth, yep. who created the great old one Ithaqua um mm. in in several pieces of fiction and I think some other um Brian Lumley and a few other um contemporaries 
expanded upon this um, god and kind of made it their own thing. Mm. But uh, here's the description of Ithaqua. is one of the great old ones and appears as a horrifying giant with a roughly human shape and glowing red eyes. He has been reported from as far north as the Arctic to the subarctic where Native Americans first encountered him. He is believed to prowl the Arctic waste, hunting down unwary travelers and slaying them gruesomely, and is said to have inspired the Native American legend of the Wendigo and possibly the Yeti. Um, yeah. I believe in Brian Lumley's... I don't know if it's like the... Oh, it's Titus Crow. It's not the Necroscope. So Titus Crow, mm. um, Ithaqua is there and is like an outer god presiding over the land of Borea and yeah. he travels from that plane to like the earth realm to abduct uh, people to worship him and I think he mm-hmm. goes after mm-hmm. the ladies to try and create offspring to yeah do something or other <laughs> I think, yeah, like, to rule do over the cosmos stuff. I guess <laughs> yeah yeah uh, it is yeah, it's basically just drawing like visually, at least on the the sort of thin ice giant version of the mm. traditional Wendigo, um, and then you know they're trying to make a mythos here. So it's like, well, no, he's technically the inspiration uh, for uh, the Wendigo, and possibly yeah. the Yeti. There's, it's so, pretty I mean, interesting. I, it's like it's meta. Mm, the thing that's inspired by these legends the, actually just really inspired act- the legend. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it, to be fair, as far as um the Cthulhu mythos goes, it's interesting to have a great one that just walks around, uh, you know, the ice lands, the through tundras and across glaciers and things, and occasionally people see it and it, they just get murdered, and that's a great one. It's just a weird monster that walks around and occasionally does some other stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it definitely it's it sounds. Uh... Like Robert E. Howardy, <laughs> like, mm, yeah, sort of a uh, old, super old world uh, could could fit into Conan. Mm. Oh yeah, I could imagine Conan versus Ithaqua. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's fought ice giants, so you know, mm. yeah, what's yeah the same step? principle. <laughs> bigger one, <laughs> bigger. Mm. Yeah, All right, and. Uh, and then we have, um, there's two films, oh, I guess three, three films. Mm. So, uh, there's a film, Wendigo, uh, in 2001, um, mm-hmm. was directed by Larry Fessenden and we'll, uh, mm-hmm. we'll come across his name, uh, in a little bit again. There is Ravenous in 1999, um, and then Dark Was the Night in 2014, uh, of the mm-hmm. three, Dark Was the Night is probably the most loosely, I guess, inspired yeah. by Wendigo. Um, Ravenous draws specifically on the idea that if you become a cannibal, uh, that makes you something more, more than human and less than human, mm. I guess, at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Gives you... Um, extra strength, healing, powers, um, mm. all, all sort of things that weren't really attributed to, you know, the, the Wendigo narrative as a whole, other than uh, you're some sort of monster now that you've consumed human flesh. Um, yeah. 
So uh, I think we'll we'll save those for a future episode because we'll all mm. need to either for the first yeah. time or revisit <laughs> watching them. <laughs> yeah, my time. my memory's a little far. Watched a couple of these. Mm, I'm pretty yeah. sure I haven't seen Dark Was the Night, but I probably have seen Wendigo and maybe Ravenous. So either way, I I'm looking forward to going back and just watching some more films uh, at some point. Yeah. So there you go, guys. At least. Uh, one or two more future episodes in the works. Um, yeah. And I guess that brings us to the video game Until Dawn. Um, one yeah. of the writers oh, uh, for this is, in fact, Larry Fessenden. And he also <laughs> portrays a character in the game. Oh, really? Which yeah. one was he? He was the, the stranger, the, the dude with oh. the flamethrower. Yeah, yeah. Um, I forget his name. Uh, yeah. I know he had one, but it, it was never actually mentioned in game. I'm pretty sure. I think it was just credits and extra items that you could find. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he never actually said. Oh, uh, was it Billy? No, that'd be too easy. No, ignore me. My mind is uh, all over the place. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, until dawn was great because this was a real twist because the game's entire marketing was as a psycho thriller uh there's a dude in a scary mask coming to get the teens uh experience and then about halfway through it goes uh larry pheasant's character actually um comes in it's like this mountain don't belong to whatever family it don't belong to you it don't belong to me this mountain belong to the wendigo <laughs> As a, and the, that was a Washington family. Yeah, the Washington family. Is it? Um, yeah, that's, that's yeah no, and that was that was that was. <laughs> thank you. Uh, that was that was such a great moment because that made me really happy because I'd heard about the Wendigo before. And I'm like, it's not something that's really be done in games as much either. Like a lot of games don't focus on Native American mythology at all. Um, I mean, like the original Prey a little bit, but there's not too many good examples of it. Um, and yeah, it was it was a twist. It was um same. They did the same thing Bloodborne did with their mid game twist of your game's not exactly what you thought it was about. Hey, <laughs> uh, did you know going into Until Dawn that uh, it involved Wendigos? Um, no, I didn't. I went. I did okay. So I watched a let's play of this when it came out, mm. like the, yeah. the same day or whatever when it launched. Yeah. Um, so. It's basically an interactive movie. So mm, I think it's yeah. less a, a game and more um, that. Yeah, it, uh, it's, a, it's a choose your own adventure mm, style thing. Yeah, you know, do you, do you go investigate the noise or do you stick with the group? You should always stick with the group. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Just put that out there. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it yeah, it's not it's not like um an action adventure romp or anything. You can move around, look at the environment, and then make character decisions. But that's about it. Um, but yeah, no, it's like I said, it starts out as like it's just billed as a psycho thriller game. Like uh, the Wendigo technically appears right at the start, but it's never in shot. And the way each scene is shot implies that you know the two uh, young women at the start were running from the grizzled old man of the mountain as opposed to running from this horrific nightmare creature. Uh, and the game drops hints 
throughout. You know, you can find texts that talk about traditional Native American stories about greed and the balance of nature and things like that. And eventually you, um, you do see them and it turns out, Hey, the old man on the mountains, not a bad guy. He's just wants to protect all these dumb kids <laughs> from getting all over the mountain and getting eaten. Uh, yeah. He's just trying to keep uh, them off the, or keep anybody off the mountain. Um, yeah. For their own safety. But yeah, his well-meaning intentions um, gets these, these twin girls um, killed. Yeah, well, because he, he looks super scary. Oh, yeah, he's well. wearing a mask and a <laughs> flamethrower. mask and a flamethrower. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's not surprising. Um, uh, but, yeah, the, these are a fairly traditional take, like, design-wise. They're the gaunt, emaciated, with desiccated skin and um, sort of pushed-in eyes kind of Wendigo. Um, but they're animated really interestingly because they move in these super short, sharp bursts where they basically frame jump and almost teleport around, it looks like, as they jump. Um, yeah. I mean, they're definitely yeah. like a supernatural oh, yeah. through and through they, uh, creature. It's not, yeah. uh, it's not just it's not a, a virus or a parasite. Yeah. You know, creepy looking. They, they are given different Magical. attributes. <laughs> Effectively, yeah. Because of that. Uh, there is... There's a film, um, The Devil's Pass, which is about mm. the um, Dyatlov Pass incident where uh, a bunch of students uh, disappeared in, I think it's Russia or maybe it's the Ukraine. Yeah. Um, the, the, the creatures in that movie are, it's this, basically. Yeah, um, yeah. Except for those ones specifically do teleport around, but it's the same, like, Naked, gaunt, yeah. Um, naked, gaunt, humanoid, humanoid creatures, that, barely uh, got sharp teeth and pointy mm, fingers, and claws. Mm. Yeah, and it, like it is a very physical change. It's like the, it's basic human structure, but the proportions are all off. There with these super long limbs as well. Mm. Um, I think specifically the Wendigo that used to be Hannah, one of the characters from the prologue, is different in some way to the others because it appears to be much bigger and stronger than the other ones but um i don't know i never dug super super deep into the backstory lore, so i don't know if there's an actual explanation for that uh, uh i don't i don't think there was yeah i don't know it's uh, been a while since i um uh watched the the let's play i i put in about um, 45 minutes to actually play it so i could Mm. <laughs> get a better yeah. grasp of at least the game mechanics. Yeah, and I, yeah I'm definitely going to go back and finish it. It was really oh, enjoyable yeah. oh, it's a good um, for the part that I played. Yeah. Uh, I guess as far as like, it's not something we really do talk about, but um, <laughs> just trying to control my the characters, these kids. Um, mm. Well, apparently they had all been drinking a little because every time I tried to <laughs> control them, they just wandered around. Yeah. Uh, just a little, a little, yeah, uh, it was a loose. Yeah. yeah. Cause they, it, it, it's a combination of like that. Um, it feels like Silent Hill one, as far as the camera angles. Mm. And then you get yeah. sort of a tank control, like Resident Evil. Yeah. Like they just yeah. turn weird. Um, yeah. It's, it's, I kept running into the wrong corners right. or, you know, it just, mm. it doesn't move like you want it to. 
But yeah. uh, I think that doesn't really take away anything from the experience. Yeah, but it it never makes you fail a sequence because you didn't run away properly because like any chase sequence is mostly most of the running is done cutscenes wise and the the meat and the chases which decisions you make on which paths you take or uh, distractions you attempt kind of thing. Like it's never you never fail a chase sequence because I wasn't able to physically maneuver my character around. Uh <laughs> Yeah, it's more the quick time events. Like you, yeah. If anything, you failed to press the button. Yeah, time. yeah. Oh, yeah. If you if you hate quick time events, maybe this game is not for you. For anyone who's listening, yeah. Because <laughs> um, that's that's what the game is. Uh. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. Um, so the, these Wendigo in particular are um, sort of they're, they're they're again a spiritual Native American being that are bound in particular to this mountain. It would seem. Uh, where there's sort of just these spirits in the air that will enter into people who commit cannibalism um, and then begin to change them into a Wendigo. Uh, It seems like the process is initially slow, like it takes a couple of days or a week to get going, but then the actual transformation is very fast. There's um, there's a point where you... Backstory of the game, a bunch of miners got trapped in a cave and had survived by eating each other. And then the government found out and did experiments on the Wendigos. They wanted to know what was going on and eventually abandoned the whole project. But there's um, an old school film reel of a guy who gets strapped down into um, a chair for examination. The nurse walks off to go collect some stuff. And in that two minute span, he changes and with the change gets really thin wrists, just pulls himself out of the chair up onto the wall. So it takes a while to get going, and it sort of mental changes first, and then physical changes that happen very quickly. It would seem. Uh, but uh, the the big thing we get through the game, we are going to spoil this by yeah. talking about how the Spoiler, Wendigos spoilers. work. Instantly, <laughs> we just ruined um, the, the game. If you haven't played this, uh, well, play it anyway. It's, um, yeah, play it anyway. I, it's fun, but uh, yeah. I guess what is neat is the game uses this idea of butterfly effect. So all of your Mm. choices have an impact um, on basically who survives um, at the end of the game. And it's possible to have all of you, all of these, um, all these kids don't make it or some of them do, or they all do. It's uh, the kind of game, the system, I think to, to get those endings, but Mm. um, each playthrough providing you do different choices shows you a little bit more about the events going on or just a different side to these characters. So it's worth it just for that. I mean, playing this one time, you're going to get a completely different experience the the second time you play through. um, Provided it doesn't take super long. No, it's like a nine hour game. Maybe. Yeah. Unless you, yeah, you can't really like go faster, but yeah, but you can't go faster either. No. Yeah. Yeah, it's a set time investment. It's not a massive amount of time, so it's it's yeah. worth it to give it a go. I'd say, especially if you've got PS Plus, it was free a month or two ago, so uh, you probably have it. Yeah, and if you not, picked it up, play it. Around to it. <laughs> give, give it a yeah. Give it a if shot, you picked it up, free. play it. Um, um, yeah, but um, anyway, so the um, as I was saying, the um, the sort of interesting twist with the Wendigos here is you don't want to kill the Wendigo because as long as the spirit is inhabiting a physical body, it can't affect other people and it can't infect other people with um the wendigo change 
So, but if you kill that physical body, the spirit is released into the air around the mountain and can infect someone again, uh, as is shown in the game. You know, a couple of the Wendigos get killed, and you see... It's kind of a goofy old horror movie effect, but you see this sort of screaming ghost skull effect sort of spiral out of the flames after an explosive barrel gets shot <laughs> and kills one of them. Yeah. And that's the that's literally the spirit returning to the air, and that one actually does infect one of the characters uh, in one of the potential ends for um, one of the characters. Uh, they begin to turn. Yeah, and so it also it, explains why um, the the miners that were being studied uh, just weren't all killed. Yeah, because, you know, if you kill, they'll just pop up again the next time someone gets desperate up on the mountain. Uh, it's a problem that literally has to be contained. It can't be dealt with. There's no way to do it beyond lock them up, uh, which was the uh, old stranger's solution until a bunch of kids came around and screwed everything up. <laughs> yeah, and then as, to protect himself, that's, that's why he has the flamethrower because they're um, mm. they're in, not really impervious to, to no. bullets, but their skin is much got, harder than um, humans, yeah. and fire does injure them. Mm. It'll burn them, uh, burn their skin away, so they become more vulnerable. Um, and you know, things like shotguns will knock them back with concussive force, but a regular handgun is. Uh, at least we are told is ineffective in the extreme. Mm. Uh, yeah. What else? Um, the game has a sort of mini tension moment where it's like, oh, one of the characters got bitten by one of them, and oh, everyone's like, oh, they're gonna turn, and um, you have the option to kill that character right then, depending on what you think. Um, it turns out that no, getting bitten is fine. Just don't eat people, and you're all good. That's the only. That's the only rule you got to follow. Yeah, uh, or, it's actually, or don't get eaten. I guess that's the other don't thing. get eaten. <laughs> that's all, that. That's also the other golden rule. I mean, it, it's great because um the 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 climax of that moment is one of the characters reads through old stranger on the mountains journal. He says the old legends say that a Wendigo grows from the bite of another Wendigo, but this is false. I've been bitten many times and nothing happened. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> how many close calls did you have <laughs> to be able to like? confirm 100% that getting bitten is fine. Yeah. And how lucky were you? Because uh, yeah. the one encounter we, we see you get through, um, you didn't make it, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he makes the point of like, oh, crap, we're trapped out in the open. This is no good. And then he immediately dies because you can't have a, you can't have an experienced character running around helping all these teens. It would lose all the tension. So he's, he's yeah. around for just a very small amount of time. He's around for exposition. Yeah, exposition and then shock value, which, you know, it's a horror movie effectively, so you can't ask for more than that, really. That's what, that's what most characters seem to be worth in horror. Yeah. Oh, and then and, uh, <laughs> it's portrayed by one of the writers of the story, so... Um, mm. Yeah, uh, again, Ari Fassenden. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, no, I just wanted my cameo. I didn't want to yeah, do probably. a lot. <laughs> I'm already doing all the writing. I don't need to do all the acting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I personally really like these Wendigo. Like I said, I like the way they move. They, you know, they crawl around on the walls a lot. They do that sort of so fast. It's almost a teleport jump. Um, 
sound wise as well. Um, all the movement sounds are really good on them, and they have really sort of harsh keening scream uh, that they communicate. Um, I've just remembered another thing. Um, they they sort of hunt by sound and movement. Uh, so the game portrays it with the entire world's dark red, but things that are moving or making noise sort of slowly turn blue for them. Uh, and so the idea is, again, it's a game mechanic because the DualShock 4 has a motion sensor. You've just got to hold it perfectly still so that the icon for the little light at the front of the controller doesn't move outside a box. It's like, hold still. Uh, they uh, they Jurassic Park it. Don't yes. move a muscle. <laughs> So it's best, to, like, I played some of those segments and I just, like, have the controller, like, resting on my lap. Mm. And then, yeah, if you just kind of, like, you can you can kind of tell when it's going to do that. It gives you, like, a second of warning of, like, yeah. don't move. Yeah. So you can, if it's resting somewhere, I mean, I wouldn't want to set it down because that might jar it too yeah. soon. But, yeah, yeah, I would definitely hold yeah. this against something where you're... Sure, it's not gonna. Well, I guess unless you have like shaky legs or something. Um, yeah, maybe don't rest it on your lap. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, overall, this is a um, interesting portrayal of yeah. the Wendigo, and it uh, it draws, as we've seen some from the original myth. And then kind of takes its own spin on it, um, mm. making them impervious to, well, giving them a physical body, really. And yeah. then yeah. making them impervious to the weapons of yeah. man other than fire. Mm. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it feel it feels natural. Like, um, they did they did enough work to make it feel like this could just be another, uh, another tribe's uh, version of the Wendigo, where it's a spirit that possesses people who commit an evil act. And then makes them these horrific monsters that are incredibly difficult to get rid of, and there's no point to get rid of them. They're just they're just up on the evil mountain. Just don't go to the evil mountain. <laughs> kind of deal. It, it feels good overall. Yeah. I would no, say. No, I, I don't think it really detracted um, from any of the mythology. Uh, it's, it's a neat yeah. addition. Um, the game itself is set in Canada, so. Mm. Also makes a little bit more sense um, as far as yeah. the world building is concerned. Yeah, um, you know it's a good game, good Wendigos. I liked it. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think that's probably what we're going to cover today for um, the Wendigo. Mm. Uh, as we as we mentioned, we're going to be coming back to this. There's a lot to yeah. unpack, and. Um, yeah. We'll be taking a look at more stories, uh, a few more films. Yeah. Um, however, we do have a bit of listener feedback. Listener feedback. And yes. uh, uh, do you want to go ahead and read that? Yeah, yeah. So um, our feedback this week is from Mike uh, at Zombie Security on Twitter. Great guy. Uh, he says, Hey guys, happy to see you tackling Wendigo mythology this week. I've read of the Wendigo as both a physical creature that stalks the frozen woods or as a spirit being that can possess or change people. Not sure which I'd find scarier. I really liked how Until Dawn handled the idea of the Wendigo. It couldn't just corrupt anybody. You had to open yourself up to possession by committing cannibalism. To me, this interpretation goes along with the old Wendigo legends as a way to reinforce the taboo of eating another human. In order to fall from grace and become a monster, you have to take the first step willingly. Such a neat alternative to just being touched by a Wendigo and going insane. 
brackets, which is also terrifying in its own way, end brackets. Anyway, looking forward to hearing the show. Uh, I hope I hope you enjoy it when you hear it. Uh, and yeah, uh, that that um that earlier thing we mentioned right near the start, uh, where if you just hang around a Wendigo in some versions of it, you'll turn into one. That that's pretty messed up. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean yeah. that's basically what happens to Defego in uh, the story. It yeah ostensibly touches his little little piggies, his little his toes, mm. and um, grabs his toeses. And he turns and into he one. He turns into one because he yeah. runs out and runs after it. Mm, and then it grabs yeah. him. And uh, I mean, that part's a little ambiguous, off. but uh, they run off yeah. together, um, hand in hand, I guess. <laughs> and fly <laughs> off into the sky with their burning feet of fire. <laughs> I fell into some burning feet of fire. <laughs> Anyway. Uh, <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, I think that's yeah. uh, I think that's a wrap from us. Um, yeah, yeah. Cameron, <laughs> where can folks find you on the internet? Uh, as always, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at night underscore twitten. That's night without a K. Uh, again, feel free to come chat. Uh, yell at me about video games. Uh, I am currently yelling about October as Shadow of War has released, and I am just constantly posting pictures of different orcs I have found. Uh, come join the fun. <laughs> uh, what about you, Dave? You can find me on Twitter at sentinot underscore plus. Um, it's, yeah, it's where I'm like centrally <laughs> located. I'm not really anywhere else on the on the web uh, at the time at this time. And uh, yeah, um, links will be in the notes as usual. Uh, thanks for listening. This was a fun episode, a little bit shorter than yeah. uh, normal. Uh, but as I said, we're going to be returning to this, and uh, hopefully we'll have all three of us uh, on board, mm. if not a, a guest or two, because we're yeah. always down for that. Exactly. With that, time to end the show. Uh, I'm putting this <laughs> on you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Bye-bye. Goodbye. <laughs>